It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, your host here, Concierge for Better Living on CannabisRadio.com, iHeart, all over the internet. And whenever you're listening to us, I appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully you learned something new. That's our job here, our goal here, you know, to work together to make today better than yesterday and tomorrow better than today. And, uh, you know, it's not that easy these days. We have a lot of stresses and challenges. Uh, you know, we have health concerns. We have uh, political and social disruption. That's that's part of life. It happens as ebb and flow. But one of the things that I wanted to always bring up was entrepreneurs which I am one, I've been one, you know, we always face challenges and whether, you know, this is part of our, 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 if you're not going to be ready for that, if you're not going to step up and and face the challenges that life throws at you, then you got to go do something else. And uh, with that, I'm excited today to talk to a a wonderful entrepreneur um, and and, and someone who understands firsthand about dealing with challenges, I'm sure. Uh, Chris Visco, CEO and and co-founder, of Terravita Holistic Centers in Pennsylvania. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. And again, and, I, and I'm sure you can relate to my opening as far as an entrepreneur. Uh, tell us a little bit about Terravita Holistic Centers so our listeners can understand where we're coming from from this conversation today. Sure. So Terravita Holistic Centers is the only women-owned medical marijuana dispensary organization in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, We legalized uh, cannabis, medical cannabis, in the state of Pennsylvania in 2016. I applied with uh, a partner in 2017 and was awarded the second highest score in the state in 2000. Yeah, 2017. We opened in 2018 in Sellersville and then Abington and Malvern. So we have three medical cannabis dispensaries. Awesome. And, and a lot of people don't think of Pennsylvania, to be honest with you, as a major cannabis hub, but obviously there's a lot of potential there in the Northeast. We see what's happening with New Jersey with the elections. Uh, we know that New York is, 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 is doing a little dance back and forth as far as legalization. Right. The whole area is, is, is very interesting. I myself growing up in the, in the upstate Catskills of New York, not far from Pennsylvania and the Poconos and all that. Oh. Um, you know, it's, it's very close to home for me as well. Um, but what I wanted to really focus on, and I know, and not to overlook it by any means, is that you mentioned this is a women-owned, uh, women-controlled business, and I, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't think that gets um, looked upon or uh, recognized enough or supported enough, so I want to make sure that people understand how important that is. Uh, I know right now we're, we're discussing uh, setting up our own product in New York, uh, and my wife is, is definitely the boss. <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, and, and I happily will say that I think she, you know, as a women-run business, she is just so talented. There's a whole different way of perceiving business and dealing with relationships. I, I, I think it's great. So I just want to give you a quick shout out and, and mention that because I think it's a wonderful thing and it shouldn't be such a highlight. It should be, it shouldn't be so such a right. differential, but we have to acknowledge it and hopefully times will change with that both women and, and, and minorities and in minorities. this industry. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page. <laughs> yep. And minorities yeah. need to be better represented in this industry for sure. Oh, 100%. There are so few on both sides in this industry. So 
Um, and that's one of the things that drives me, you know, with the whole social equity, social justice portion of, you know, our initiatives. Yeah, it's important for me. I was going talking about going back to New York and doing a job project there. It was because I want to support my hometown, my right. local community, um, and I'm not distinguishing, you know, uh, which friend. It's like it's just a matter of like I want to just give back and I want to be able to support especially in these tough times today. And I think that um, growing up in that area, which was, everyone says, oh, it's upstate New York, but it's still country. I went to the local farmer's markets for my mm -hmm. produce. I had friends that, you know, raised chickens and had their local eggs. I mean, this is not, we, we, you know, I hear New York and they think, you know, New York City and the, and the cement, same thing with Pennsylvania. They think a lot of it's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you know, coal workers and, and, and the industrial world, but there's a whole ag component to these states and especially Pennsylvania as well. If you've ever driven through Pennsylvania, most of it's big ag. So yeah, and I think it's sometimes often uh, forgotten or mis uh, not even appreciated. Absolutely, cannabis can save a lot of our communities. A lot of our yeah. communities. So with that, obviously, you know, I mentioned in the beginning challenges. How did you? You know, I know you got that license. I, I think it's great that you mentioned the second highest score. It is really important to do the applications right mm -hmm. to have the right plan in place. I, you know, um, I had previously had a conversation with my friend Dustin Robinson, Mr. Cannabis Law, who does a lot of advisement on the legal side and the accounting side for cannabis businesses. And, you know, we talked about having such an important plan, foundation, uh, you know, capital structure, but it's also really important to be flexible and to be able to react to difficulties and challenges. So give us a little example of how you've been able to, or face some challenges and how you were able to kind of, you know, react and, and, and recover from those. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, the first challenge that I uh, I faced, and I appreciate you acknowledging it, is that I'm female. Mm -hmm. And uh, my license writer actually charged me 20% of what he charged every other person he did a license for because he assumed I wouldn't win. Because he assumed that being female was great, but there were also other females going for it, like Lindy Snyder, who was a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then they put in my head, well, it's political and you're female and there's no women in this and it'll be hard for you, you know, and people treated me like a little girl and all the white men that own all of these MSOs scored lower than I did on the application. So that was the first thing. And then you start talking to the growers and I go out because <clears throat> what I didn't mention is I've been a merchant my entire life. Yep. This industry is run by cannabis people and hedge fund people or real estate developers. That doesn't make them retailers and it doesn't make them a wholesaler. And that's where you have, you know, a lot of the, the collapsing. But I went and sat before these growers and told them what my expectations were of the partnership. They laughed at me. One, because I'm female. And two, because they had no idea what I was talking about. Because they had never been a retailer and they had never been a wholesaler. It was a real struggle getting people to take me seriously. When I told them I was going to run the highest volume store, that I was going to get open first, and that my three would be the highest volume. But that's where I am today. Yep. And they've all become great partners. But it was a hell of a thing getting there. Yeah, and this is why I said people, I love it, that the determination, and, and this is another, again, another conversation I was having with entrepreneurs, if you aren't willing to... To, to laugh in the face of, of denials, <laughs> of rejection, to, to let these people prove them wrong, it should be your motto. It's like, yeah. which it sounds like it has been. Mm -hmm. Again, whether you're a woman, 
uh, minority or anyone, even just sometimes it's a youth, uh, you know, bias, you know, you're just young, you know, I, I, I have to say, I've been in my natural dietary supplement, natural products world for over, for almost 20 years. I still feel like a newbie some days, you know, like, you know, but that's, there's always going to be those challenges. I love hearing the success story. And that's why I, again, wanted to have you on, um, you know, and talk about this because, you know, a, it's not easy. And, and mm-hmm. but, but B, the perspective that you brought to the table was unique for this industry. And same thing for me as well. I, I had similar experiences when I was consulting for some of these larger, uh, you know, CBD companies and cannabis companies. And, and yeah, they were real estate guys. They, they were, you know, they didn't understand that there's a supply demand on the, on the retail side, there's pricing margins, costs that you're not even thinking about, you know, that, you know, that people are often overlook. And, you know, I have to say that, um, you know, uh, that's why I said I love that my you know my partner is my wife and she comes from that background of you know, startup businesses and contract law and administration and she whenever I present her something she goes you forgot this this and this or you're not thinking about that this and that and I'm like that's why we make good partnership because we you know we, we respect each other but we know we bring different strengths to the table and I always say before behind all those you know you know white male executives is probably three women that are making it happen, you know, like exactly. you know, just, just kicking his, you know, making him directly without him knowing it. So I, I truly acknowledge that. And I, again, I really wanted to, 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 to say, I'm excited to see how successful and to hear how successful you are in Pennsylvania. And there's so much more potential in that state as we were you know, talking about, um, so, but it's, it's great to, 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 to prove them wrong is going to be our motto of today's to, to uh, uh, episode is do not, do not listen to those haters. Just go forward and, and, and believe in it and make it happen, which you've done, which is awesome. 100% what? Right. Haters make you uh, stronger and more accurate. Yeah. And, and again, I, I always say that's not about um, what people say to you. It's how you react to that. You know, and that's that's something that I, you know, one of my favorite philosophers is Epictetus or Epictetus or however you want to pronounce it. But it was always about the reaction is key. You know, you could choose to react and get angry or you can choose to to refocus and get and prove them wrong and, and, and get stronger. And then those are your choices. And so mm-hmm. I think that's really key. And it shows that, you know, your determination and it and you brought your experience from retail. I know you've had successes before this in retail. Um, and that's what I think people need to understand is when you go into a partnership or you real, work with a team, look for their previous successes uh, and their expertise and build on strengths, not just, uh, you know, and, and make sure the ego is left at the door. Exactly. <laughs> These are some of my takeaways from today's consulting entrepreneurial world. But No, well, you just you just hit that on the nail. You, you have to leave your, your ego at the door. And I tell my team all the time, stay humble. Oh, yeah. Stay humble. Stay humble and hungry. <laughs> Keep hum- humble and hungry. Exactly oh, yeah. right. For sure. Well, that's awesome. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back more. Chris, let's go from Terra Vida Holistic Centers in Pennsylvania right after this quick break. This is Doc Rob, your concierge to better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. 
Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. And we are back. A wonderful episode of Concierge to Better Living with my guest, say Chris Visco, talking about, you know, cannabis in Pennsylvania. So you said you're pretty much the highest volume retailer. You have three locations. What's hot in Pennsylvania? Can you tell me, like, you know, every market's a little different. You may not have any of these interstate brands. Um, are people flower consumers? Are they vaping in your area? Are you seeing other? I'm just curious from that market. What can you share from your, you know, having those three stores in different areas? What are you seeing as the, the consumer interest or the patient interest? Right yeah, now? you know, it's so it's an interesting market because it's evolved. So when we opened in February 2018, right. we had no flower. And we had no product. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I could have said to you at that time, and I remember it distinctly, concentrates were 38% of my business. You can make a number mean anything, that sounds substantial, but it was also 38% of my inventory, right? I sold out to the piece on everything that came through the door. So you can't say somebody wants something or another, right? Right. So in August, they introduced flour. Mm -hmm. So the demand, it's almost like day one of opening a market again. First of all, it went crazy with uh, the registry went crazy with the volume of new people coming into the program. And there wasn't a lot of flour because they announced it out of nowhere and none of the growers were ready to go. (laughs) Supply and demand. (laughs) It's kind of been like we've been chasing our tail since August, 2018 with flour. And keep in mind, we only had a couple of growers at the time. So as we've added it, the new growers, when they come on, whatever their business plan was when they applied, went out the window and a lot of them where it was illegal to uh, not illegal, the regulations, you know, change depending on who's in the job. But at one point they had said you couldn't ship more than 50% of your inventory in flour. And in 2019, they lifted it and just said, please get flour out because just the demand is crazy. So the flour supply I get in like my lowest price point, three hour supply. We have people camp out outside the store waiting for vans to arrive so they can go purchase. Wow. Yeah, I, I always laugh. I have a very good friend who's a, uh, a bud tender, a premier bud tender um, uh, in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And he says, that it's a joke that I'm not selling anything. He goes, they're coming in to buy. He goes, my job is to try to guide them to the best product for their need, but I'm not selling anything. These people are coming in ready to make a purchase, you know, committed to that. They just want some guidance that's going to give them the best results. Typically, we're talking about medical patients more so than the uh, adult use uh, consumer. But I think that's interesting, and, and, and I see that as future issues in other states as well. I think that New Jersey is going to have a, 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 a rough learning curve in the early stages. I think if New York changes their rule more spontaneous, as it sounds like Cuomo is planning it, that there's going to be a whole backlog in those legacy markets and, the, and those legacy growers are going to be challenged to, you know, and again, I'm hoping there's going to be enough you know, breakdown into a, a, a social equity and, and minorities having licenses and, and ability to, to run businesses in that, you know, in, in all these new markets. But it's pretty interesting that I helped to write, or I was working on some of the guidelines for Pennsylvania a few years back in, in regards to the medical director role in your, in your, in your stores. Um, and then, you know, I, I, you know, it's interesting that you guys had to have what pharmacists involved from day one. We do. So you're, you are permitted to have, 
a doctor, a pharmacist, a nurse practitioner, or a physician, physician's assistant. You have to have one of those people in every store, but in one store, it must be a doctor or a pharmacist, must yeah. be present. Otherwise, a nurse practitioner or physician's assistant. Problem with both those, those positions is that they have to be attached to a physician. So if one of these people wants to come work for me, they're generally leaving a doctor who doesn't want to lose them and is not going to affiliate. So generally we have pharmacists. And I have to tell you, it's a very difficult situation to be in because there's no one in the company that doesn't understand how much money they make and they deserve to. They're licensed professionals. The problem in the Pennsylvania cannabis market is 90% of their job is data entry that serves little purpose and they want to be doing research. They want to be working with patients more. There's all these things as medical professionals they want to do that they don't have time to do because they're doing these other things and that are simply like $15 an hour jobs they don't want to be doing. And then the $15 an hour employees know how much they're making, right? It's a whole thing. But I will say this, it's, it's a huge drain on the business the payroll, but it legitimizes the business. So I think it was a really smart move. They, they can't be knowledgeable when we open the market, but they've gotten to see 45,000 people come through my doors. So they learn from each one of them. And now we're going to go get them published and they're getting licensed in other States. So my philosophy has actually changed. I, I applied as an adult, um, for a social equity adult use in Illinois. And my app was written that I would have nurses on staff just to answer questions. Because one of the problems in an adult use market that I see is that we don't push forward as an initiative, responsible use. So when you're in Vegas, you're watching all these people running in and out, getting edibles doesn't work in 15 minutes. Then what happens, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't work in a half hour. Then what happens? And the next thing you know, Susie's in a fountain at Caesars. You know what I mean? So we were going to have the nurses on staff because I actually think it's very valuable. No, um, I think it's a great... Yeah, no, I think when I wrote that, when I was working on the original programming for Pennsylvania and I saw the pharmacist requirement and all the, I said, this is going to be really straining, but it's going to yeah. be a medical program. And, and there's pros and cons to that too, because again, we need to educate more doctors and educate more pharmacists. And I'm a medical director in another state and I do the training for the staff and I'm available as needed. Uh, if a patient has a, uh, a medical question or a product question, then I'm always pushing back on my staff to do not... O- answer more than you feel comfortable like that's that's not your role your job is to really explain more about the product or a brand or an ingredient but not the health aspects of it to the the patient um and if there are those questions please defer to me as a medical director to the primary care to their, their certifying doctor you know these are all important because we want it to be responsible and we want people to be educated and so i think that no matter what the industry needs to continue that force of education uh on all levels from the consumer and patients all the way up to uh, through doctors and pharmacists, all the way up to the legislature and, and, and the uh, you know, politicians. They all need better education around this plant. No, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I know that definitely when I saw that and I read that, I said, this is going to be challenging. And then, like you said, I don't think many people knew that. I was shocked when the first laws came through with Pennsylvania and there was no flower. 
you know, it was yeah. like that, that was like a shock to a lot of people, I think, but I didn't think it was going to last long, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that was something that you know, I've seen come up at a few different times and it doesn't work. I think they tried that in Florida as well. And yeah. that didn't, that didn't last very long either. Right. And as you know, we don't have edibles here. So, you know, right. that's a huge category that would crush it. But so, you know, really flour is obvious is a younger consumer, um, yeah. vaping, but, you know, we have a really uh, large segment of our business that is, uh, you know, over 58 years old. So, you know, we, ha- we use a lot of tincture as well, probably a disproportionate amount of tincture in our stores because we've really, our philosophy has been, if grandma uses cannabis, her 40-year-old son feels a little differently about it, a little more accepting, and maybe his 16-year-old daughter gets off a of Prozac. Oh yeah. You know, that's where we have gone. That is our philosophy. Go for grandma and the rest will follow. We have I, to just, you, you can't just go out and ram this down everybody's throat. You've got to bring it into mainstream society because grandma's the one thinking all the boys are on the corner, you know, doing drugs all day. <laughs> say to her, grandma, this is marijuana. The whole world changes in that family. Oh yeah. No, that's a really great point. I think that from a health perspective, I think we've always targeted the 35 to 55 year old women, the mothers of the household for the health products, for the purchases. But we see definitely that baby boomer, older crowd, the elderly, especially obviously I spend time in markets like Southern Florida and Arizona, where we have a significant elderly population. Um, They're definitely giving it a shot. Um, I'm seeing many of them respond, the majority of them responding positively, surprised to say how well they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have do have some accounts of uh, overdosing. I don't mean that in a, yes. in, a, in a hospital type of capacity, but just in a, they took too much or they were given too much or they had, didn't have the best experience. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's really key to, to get that whole uh, stigma from the top down shifted um, and that, so that they can, you know, again, we look at this as medicine as it's meant to be, um, not as some recreational, uh, you know, hippie drug. And I grew up, as I mentioned earlier, 10 minutes from where Woodstock happened in 69. So that <laughs> my community was a little bit more open. They were a little more experienced. My dad rode his motorcycle into Woodstock, you know, and I've had yeah. so, you know, celebrated anniversary parties. But, you know, that that's one perception. But there's a larger market out there that, you know, um, don't, doesn't feel as comfortable. And I think that you're doing a great job, as I said, with education, having professional staff uh, and, and meeting them with a, hopefully a low dose tincture that gives them a, a, a comfort zone that they say hey, it's safe. It made me feel okay. And they can continue that journey. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Wonderful. Well, we're going to take one more break. We're going to come back with Chris and learn a little bit more about Teravita. And um, it's just amazing what's going on in each market, each state. You got to look at it as an individual little, little bubble. And uh, so don't go anywhere. We're going to learn more about Pennsylvania. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at Cannabis Radio. We'll be right back. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. 
SmartPots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, SmartPots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? SmartPots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million SmartPots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Robb and the concierge for better living only on cannabisradio.com. All right, all right. And we are back with our final segment of today's episode with Chris Visco, co-founder and CEO of Terravita Holistic Centers in Pennsylvania, leading the way in Pennsylvania with medical cannabis. And I love it. Women run business. Um, we need more of it. And, um, you know, we're just talking about it. Like, it's so interesting because I've you know been in Nevada and California, Washington, Oregon, Tech. Every state has its own approach, personality, receptiveness, you know, it's so interesting. And I see, see Pennsylvania, as we said, the Northeast, you know, wakening up slowly and that whole Northeast category becoming, you know, you know the whole Northeast uh, area becoming a boom very soon. So I, you know, you have plans, obviously a few more stores. Is that the goal for you guys? Or how do you see the next level of, of, of business? Yeah, for sure. Um, so at this point, licenses in Pennsylvania are closed. Um, there are opportunities, you know, within the state, different opportunities, but truly what we are doing is we are ex trying to expand slowly. So um, we've been filing different applications in different states strategically, taking our time, making sure we don't become a large multi-state operator that's losing hundreds of millions of dollars a quarter. We're trying to go in and be very responsible because the most important thing to me in a business is people. Mm -hmm. So and at the most entry-level person that comes into my organization starts at $15 an hour. Average rate is probably three, $4 above that now because we make sure people are compensated. You know, Good people who do good work are definitely compensated for that. And then additionally, one of the things in the in this industry that was shocking to me because I had people coming to me that have been managers and growers and had all of these kind of you know lower level leadership positions that were making thirteen dollars an hour in Colorado. Oh yeah. So I took took this you know as a huge initiative that if you want to take these cannabis people, you need to give them careers. You got to stop paying them minimum wage, and all they get to do is grow weed, right? You need to. They're here. They love it. Let's develop it. Them. Let's give them an opportunity someday to run their own show if they want to. So I've invested in people and communities. So we pay well. We have amazing healthcare benefits, dental, vision, 401k. My young people, I make them show me proof that they have health insurance or they're you know, put on our health insurance and then it's up to them to opt out from there, but they must have health insurance. The 401k, 24 year olds aren't thinking about their future. I opt them in at the lowest possible rate to the 401k and make them pull themselves out of it, trying to get them to put their money away. I don't know another cannabis company that's giving, you know, a $15 an hour bud tender, six weeks maternity leave to have a baby. 
Um, when there's profit, there'll be profit sharing. But right now there's, you know, annual bonuses and semi-annual bonuses. My huge Christmas party got canceled. You know, I gave away five trips to Jamaica last year. Like you have to make people want to be invested in your business by investing in them first. So. No, that, that's a great takeaway. I think that people have to hear more of that. They need more of those business. I, mean, I grew up in a lot of family-run businesses, and we, we treated our staff like family, you know, our, our, our employees like family. And I think that's a – and we saw them stay. There was no less turnover. They were happier. They were committed. If we say we need an extra hour, they didn't complain. You know, like those are things that make a business successful in the long term. It sounds like you've got a lot of those foundational components handled and, and – and, you know, it sounds like a great place to work, to be honest with you, especially in these tough times where people are looking for jobs and looking to put food on the table. Well, I hope it is a good place to work. That's definitely our goal. So, yeah. So, and, and so we're expanding into other markets. It gives my immediate team other opportunities. New Jersey, as you know, there's a cluster. I mean, yeah. who they issue appeals before they issue the, or not appeals, issue uh, deficiencies or disqualifications prior to handing awards. It's, you know, doesn't make any sense. So um, we're just waiting. We applied in Delaware. We applied in uh, West Virginia, waiting on New Jersey, waiting on things in, in Illinois and are looking at other states now for uh, first quarter. So as they roll in, we can expand, take our time, do it the right way. Um, but as long as we keep cash flow going, we don't become an MSO who's got five awards in five states and never opens a store. <laughs> There's a lot of challenges with those MSOs. I mean, um, uh, again, I also, um, you know, I've done some consulting for some of those big companies, uh, one with the big red signs out front that are struggling. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, a lot of that happening when you see these executives taking, you know, uh, leaving the company, but taking a severance of multi-millions of dollars when the company's not even profitable. Um, you know, it hurts the you know, investors, you know, stockholders, it hurts the employees and their whole, uh, you know, just feeling about the business. So I, I think it's great what you're doing. I really uh, am excited to see how you expand and grow in the Pennsylvania market, how the, the market itself matures over the next couple of years with the, the neighboring states starting to get a little more active. Um, maybe there'll be some interstate sales eventually between the tri-state area, which would be kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll be doing some business between each other in our New York and Pennsylvania, you know, across the border there. So it's been wonderful having you on the show, Chris, today. I really wish you and your team and, and your business all the best. And uh, like I said, we'll, we'll keep in touch and, and, and have you back on and as things can continue to progress in, their, in your area. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All the best to you in New York. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, always, always. Prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. Right. So, awesome. Well, thanks so much, everyone. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for everyone for tuning in and listening. Uh, all those people that download and share and, and tweet me and send me messages about the show. Thank you for all the producers and, and everyone at Canvas Radio. Uh, can't do this without you. Um, as always, uh, to all my listeners, to everyone out there, friends and family, I wish everyone all the best and health and happiness. Take care and be well.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.